Here's the thing, Charles. It's not a dream if it's real. Whoa. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin. And this is episode number two, where we're talking about powers of ten, number one. Before we get started, we got our first review. Ooh, ooh. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Blame Fame on Apple Podcasts. We think you're the best. Heck, yeah. That was awesome. That was really cool to see. Uh, if, if you all are liking the show so far, leave us a rating and a review. It really helps others find the show. And tell your friends. Share it with friends, family members, people you think might be interested, people you want to be interested so you can talk about it with them later. Yeah, Somebody's been sharing the podcast, though. We hit over 100 downloads with our first episode and our intro episode combined. And Amazing. Yeah, that was, that was something I was not expecting. Thank you all so much. We're so excited for all of this and to have you all along on this journey with us. So keep, keep, being involved in the conversation, keep sharing, keep liking, keep being amazing humans. Keep it in your ears. <laughs> Exciting stuff. Show me the money. I want to see the cover. I do want to mention you can get a free week of Marvel Unlimited on Marvel's website so you all could follow along in the issues with us. But with that out of the way, for those reveal. of you... <laughs> For those of you who haven't joined us before, I don't know anything about the comics till Justin shows them to me right now. So this is my first time seeing this cover. And uh, wow, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. It's nice. It's nice. What a great descriptor. And there's a lot of new and interesting characters, characters that I don't even recognize. So I don't know who any of these people are, except that's Professor X. Yeah. That looks like Nightcrawler, but he's red, so it can't be. And then that one was from the first episode. Oh, the one who's, I can't remember her name. Yeah, she's made out of sentinel parts and human parts. (laughs) Yes. And then this guy is the only other guy that I know. And I I could kind of guess that this is Moira because Moira was the one, Moira McTaggart was the person that read that quote that started our episode. And I know who this is just from past comics that's nimrod what a name and i really like the layered splits between the planes that you have here there's so many stacked things here and i like this little split of the sword between charles and who i think is moira and you know who moira is yeah she's in the movies right all right shall we dive in yes let's get started page turn there's that quote here's the thing charles it's not a dream if it's real. What do you know? Do you know what the dream of Charles Xavier is? His Martin Luther King dream? Essentially, yeah. <laughs> that mutants and humans can live in peace together? Yeah. Is that his dream? That's his dream. That's his dream. She's saying it's not a dream if it's real. Is she referring to his dream? We don't, we don't know. know. We don't know. Let's see. Okay, here we go. And this first page really shows us a lot. And also kind of gives us an idea as to why this comic is called Powers of Ten. And that's going to become more apparent as we get through the issue. But these X to the powers. Oh, I see. And the different years associated with them. So X to the zero, year one, X to the one, year ten. Him wearing the Cerebro helmet. 
I'm just having the hardcore algebra flashbacks right now. Yeah. And I'm like feeling I'm not ready for this. <laughs> but X, I'm sure I'll be fine. X to the zero is year one, right? And so. Yeah, sure. I just, whatever you say. <laughs> Anything to the zero power is one. This is why I said I'm not ready for this. Please do not quiz me. I'm not ready. I don't want to go back Math. to school. Math. And these are these four points in time are going to be the threads that we're going to explore in this miniseries. All right. But they're not all from Charles's perspective. No. Doesn't look like it, at least. No. Doesn't look like it. Why is this tiny man so excited? <laughs> well, they look like they're at a carnival, right? So you have this this guy here. You have a bunch of balloons. You have this giant guy behind them. Uh, the second panel, someone in a crystal ball. I really like Let this. Let me tell your fortune. <laughs> I really like this visual storytelling. You're, you're creating this place as characters enter and engage, but there's no dialogue. You're just showing us this place. Yeah, just bring us in. Oh, and it's at the top. It says X to the zero power, year one. Yeah. All righty. So we're at a carnival. Let's see what we, what happens next. Yeah, just sitting on a bench and making some weird faces as he's just enjoying these birds. The birds. And then, good afternoon. Hello, lady. Hello, Miss Lady. All right, so these two are just having a conversation. Looks very normal. Yep. Yeah. Mind if I sit with you? You know, I, I like how Moira's talking about this being a distraction from what's really going on, if you will, and. And in that moment, she's referring to the carnival? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay. She asks Xavier if he's enjoying it. Having a good day, aren't we? Is it that obvious? Well, yeah, you kind of just sitting, dancing to yourself on a park bench in the back. Just living your best life, Charles. Oh. And Maura starts talking about what she was seeing as she was walking through the carnival, that past the fortune teller selling his wares, and these three different cards, the, the magician, the tower, the devil. And then at the far end, I saw you sitting there. And I thought, there he is, what I've been looking for, the strong man. So in this moment, in this instance, does Charles know that this is Moira? And do they know each other right now? So I don't think so. Okay. Because just by the way she's speaking, it seems like they don't. Also, let's talk about these cards for a second. Because the magician is walking through a wall yep. and the only thing that makes me think of is kitty yep yeah and then i have no idea what the tower is about and the devil is like what i said on the cover it kind of looks like nightcrawler mm -hmm. but his face is red i'm intrigued the strong man well i'm not really that strong and i wondered why sitting there was he smiling so He's like, yeah, yeah, I was I was smiling. Yeah, you were smiling. <laughs> you were just smiling to yourself. Yeah, I was creeping on you. The reason why he's smiling, he says, is he's recently had the most wonderful dream of a better world and my place in it. And I think that's the dream that we know of Charles Xavier. And she says the opening quote line, it's not a dream if it's real. And I love this because here's the thing, Charles. Right, I was just going to say that because... When you said Charles, I was like, but they don't know each other. So how? Oh, this is an awesome page. And this has actually been pulled out in advertising for this story as a game changer of a page. And Charles is like, do we know each other? 
And this woman is, yes, we go back quite a ways. Who are you? Why don't you read my mind, Charles? Read my mind and see. If you were Charles Xavier and some random woman just came up to you while you're enjoying your birds and was like, <laughs> hey, Charles, read my mind. What? Yeah, but I feel like Charles would be like not freaked out. He would be intrigued and just ready to investigate. Yeah, He's not because he understands that there's things he doesn't understand right but he's, he's an intellectual he's a smart guy he's a smart guy looking at this panel though or this page what i think is really awesome is the background colors and charles has this teal and moira has this yellow and they're just going back and forth and then as soon as charles realizes who she is his background color changes yeah which is really interesting it's like he's in a new perspective now he's just he just found out some new information from reading her mind and when you look at them as a full page, that bottom one really stands out to you. This is a difference. And the concern on his face. Yeah. He's so intense in the first two images of him. He has this like furrowed brow, like what's going on here? I'm confused. Here? And then all of a sudden he's like, whoa. What's going on here? Whoa. We got our title page written by Jonathan Hickman. Art by R.B. Silva, who is not the artist on House of X. So R.B. Silva is the artist on Powers of Ten. I have a question sure. about these titles. I know I brought it up last time and you explained why it's called Powers of Ten in the beginning, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. But if I was just a random person and I was picking up this comic for the first time and I'm reading them, like how does one make sure that they're in the know of how to say these things correctly. I don't know. I don't know that there's any negative if you were calling it powers of X. If you had talked to other people and just found out that they're being referred to as the powers of 10 miniseries and just this X to the blank power mm -hmm. motif that was created. I just want people who are new to this, like I am, to be able to feel like they've got it under their belt like they know what's going on you know so so you might not know that it's powers of 10 by looking at it but i'm telling you it's powers of 10 and that's okay what we're <laughs> saying is it's okay if you it's don't right. know it's welcome right. let us help you okay the last dream of professor x is the title the last dream the last dream that sounds daunting yeah the rest of the creative team is adriano de Benetto on inks with R.B. Silva, Marta Gracia, who is the colorist on House of X number one, VCs Clayton Cowles, who did lettering on House of X number one, and the editorial team as well. So now we're in a forest. Year 10. So X to the one power, the X-Men. This is what looks like. Oh, it says Krakoa. Yeah. The so Brotherhood? This is, is this the Brotherhood? This is what looks like the continuation of the house of x number one story so year 10 also had the cerebro helmet with professor xavier this is mystique and toad coming through a portal my brain is exploding this is the continuation of their plot with Sabretooth that was thwarted by the fantastic four ah oh, the fantastic four okay so this would be i see what you're saying because this is mystique and toad coming through without saber tooth mm -hmm. so when they 
escaped and Sabretooth got left behind, this is where they went. Yeah. They, and they might have gone through other portals to get to Krakoa. They might have gone to a hub. But I really like how they're visually setting up the fact that it's the two of them coming back to Krakoa. Go play, Toad. <laughs> Go play, Toad. Like the mother she is. And we didn't really know what it was they were doing before. Nope. And now there's this reveal of Mystique with this drive. Hard, hard drive, yeah. So that's interesting. And there's really not a lot of dialogue on this page again, too. It's a lot of visual storytelling, which is awesome. And now we got Mystique at the House of M. And Magneto's saying a whole lot to Mystique, asking her about if she's noticed the effects that this place is having. The wallspring of hope, a home of dreamers and true believers, which is really interesting coming from a man like Magneto, who he even acknowledges it. Even I, one so shaped by the cruelty of this world that any skepticism would seem well-earned, find myself infected with the idea of it. He's just like kicking back, having a drink. Yeah. He's at home. Hey, Mystique. What's up? How was your day? Well, and, and Everything's <laughs> chill now. And then he asks, do I dare dream of success? How was your mission? <laughs> she uh, got it. What is it? We don't know. And we lost Sabretooth, and he did us no favors when he killed several guards. But I got it. But I got it. Oh, and this next page where she goes to hand him the drive, and she pulls it away, and it says, I have demands. What is going on here? And Charles comes on. He's he's like, you know, what? Is helping your fellow mutant not reward enough for Raven Darkholm? No, it isn't. And I need more. And Charles says, well, so do we. We have further demands as well. So does that mean that Charles and Eric are on the same team and Mystique is sort of on her own? Mystique's always kind of on her own team, but she's been doing something. This thing Magneto and Charles sent her to do. I got it, but also I need more. Interesting. I did it for you, but there's so, there's got to be something else in it for me. What's in it for me, Charles? And she's surprised the fact that Charles has something more in his demand. Isn't helping your fellow mutant enough for the great Charles Xavier? We're building a better world, Mystique, and everyone who would live in it owes something. Did he just like swipe that from her? Yes. Just use his brain powers and just pulled it through the sky. There's been like, times where it's been seen that he has some low level of telekinesis. Interesting. Oh, man. X to the second power. I want to know. Year 100. But is that say? That's actually a typo. It says X to the first. And in the one that I'm looking at on a Marvel Unlimited, it says X to the second. Whoa. So they corrected it. But let's just talk for a second because how dare you put this drive about to be revealed and then go, psych, not going to tell you what's happening there. I mean, that kind of plays off of the House of X number one where he's slowly revealing what's going on. Yeah. All right. So now we're in yet another timeline. Point in time. Point in time. We don't know if they're different. Or if they're connected yet. Right. Okay. But this actually, this quote gives us some idea that they're at least somewhat connected. Whereas this person who's dying says, our dreams are the same. While you slept, the world changed. Whoa. 
is there anything the sentinel is asking is there anything salvageable from his mind it seems as though he's wiping his mind on death that he's he's getting rid of all the information in his mind so he can't be read so the mutant that's dying yep is having his mind wiped yep as a defense so that the sentinels don't find the information that he has or that the things that he was there for i thought the sentinels are who is wiping his mind they're wiping on termination now some kind of mnemonic trigger when they start to flatline oh i see okay so it's as a defense for the information that they have so the sentinels are trying to take this information and yep. they think hey if i kill you then i can just wipe your mind i can just pull from your mind mm-hmm. and the mutants are dying and their minds are being like auto wiped as they die yeah as a protection but what about the other one what about so the they're other? like yeah let me wipe this guy's mind or let me steal this guy's thoughts while he's still alive mm-hmm. and this other mutant we know her Silabel was born in the kennel and we don't know what the kennel is yet but we find that out later on in the issue oh but there's an old school sentinel on this page yeah that's redesigned for this issue but yet it looks more like the right old school in my mind is like you have an action figure of this i've seen this before yeah right i recognize that sentinel yeah whereas this other sentinel is way different looking multiple heads longer lankier yeah and he's asking silabel Tell us, what did you and your friends find rifling through the Nexus? And where, oh, where did they run off to? And she's like, what friends? I'm not going to tell you nothing. And you can see these two people and kind of hanging out behind rocks, seeing this all happen on that bottom panel framed with the sentinel. Oh, in the hiding. Yeah. And this is the first time that we've seen any of these characters in any kind of story. Mm-hmm. And she's talking about, they're calling each other sister, and I'm, I'm going to rescue you. I can't lose you now. And Silabel is saying, no, I was born without a name, and you gave me one. There was so much blood on my hands before that, before you saved me. All this was for nothing if you don't make it back. If you come and try and save me for this, and they kill you, they capture you, then nothing that we did for this risk would have been worthwhile. Are they communicating telepathically? Yes. Okay. So basically, Silabel's like, it's over for me. Get out of here. Yeah. Save, save yourself. yourself. Oh, man. This panel where I'm assuming they're stealing her thoughts. So intense. Yeah. They're trying to access her brain. They're trying to get inside of her head. The artwork in these is just so good. I just can't get over it. Yeah. It's interesting. So we do get a name of the red guy, Cardinal, from the girl who I know her name is Rasputin. Rasputin 4, I believe. Rasputin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anastasia. What? (laughs) (laughs) Or or Piotr. (laughs) Don't know what that is. Yeah. Colossus. Oh, what? Piotr Rasputin is his name. Oh, I was going to say she looks as though she would be related to Colossus, but... My brain went to a much different storyline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a whole nother universe. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that, but that's cool. Okay, so is she Colossus's daughter? We don't know. Don't know. Make your assumptions, Alicia. I'm going to assume she is Colossus's daughter. I may be wrong. 
so now she's going to go in. She's, I, will you pray for me, priest? And he says, of course, my faith is boundless. I pray for all living things. That's your problem, priest. You've forgotten that machines have no soul. I love this. I love this attack. And I know that sword that she's holding, mm-hmm. that looks familiar to me as the soul sword, which actually belonged to magic Ilana Rasputin, who was Colossus's sister or Wait. is Colossus's sister. Going back for a second, you said magic and it made me think about the magician card, which is actually her yep. holding the sword. And look at the line that it says. See the magician, the metal metamorph, the great sword, and the girl with one foot in two worlds. Interesting. The great sword. The great soul sword. Oh, does it say the great soul sword? No, no. I just I know oh. that that's the soul sword. I'm like, am I having reading problems? <laughs> that's not abnormal. That's not there. That seems real. I would miss a word. Intrigue. Mm. I have just, I want it, I've. I feel like my brain is in a million places right now. Yeah, this issue in particular really is a lot. And it has a lot of different things that it's setting up. Issue one of House of X had a whole lot that it was setting up. This is setting up a lot in various points in time. Yeah, that's the thing that's tricky. It's like you don't know really if or how any of these things are connected. So, all right. She's got this killer sword. She's coming in. She's coming in hot. They have no souls. And that humans oh. lost theirs a long time ago. Yeah, that is a... That image is amazing. The slice through. It's just so... Powerful. Powerful. It's so eye-catching. I just feel like drawn completely into this moment and this like this explosion and the uh, intensity in her face. And then you have Cardinal in the background taking root with the gate. They're like, hey, hurry up. Let's get out of here. Oh, so they can just grow a gate whenever they need one? I mean, that's, that was established in issue one of House of X. You got to plant the seed. I must have missed that. Well, yeah, I saw them planting the seeds, but I didn't realize it grew in like seconds. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> that's so cool. Seconds, minutes. So this is taking a little while, but it's taking longer than they have and needs to stall. And so... These human-looking creatures are saying that nothing's phasing her. We need to call in a tank. Gates open. Let's go. And then here comes down the hand of that giant sentinel in the background. And she's like, yeah, get out of here with your hand. Get out of here with your hand. Kaboom. Great shot of the sentinel himself coming at him as an attack. Oh, no. And then she, Silable actually calls her Rasputin. They're going to leave with the one that they've captured, subdue and capture the other one. With Oh, man. So they've captured now Silabelle and Rasputin? No. No. Well, they've... here it looks like she's being taken away. Yeah. But she's just fighting. She's fighting back, yeah. That's why Silabelle's saying, leave, please. Yeah. Like, get out while you still can. I'm I'm beyond saving. These images, I can't... It's so cool the way that they have like the action of the sword is crisp and everything that's happening around it has this like blurred mm-hmm. vibe to it. It just draws it, you into Rasputin and the sword. Yeah. 
it's really pulling your focus to how powerful this sword is and how everything else has a ripple effect around it. Yeah. We got some data pages. This is the first data pages of this issue, I believe. There's a lot of information here. Yep. And so we're talking about the Sinister Line and the Mutant Breeding Program. The Mutant Breeding Program. Yeah. And so when levels reached a crisis point, so remaining mutant leadership approved the Sinister Breeding Pits of Mars. Modeled after the Earth-based Sentinel Hound Program, they bred mutants, focusing on power sets that had aggressive militaristic traits rather than the hounds who were bred to be used to find mutants. Hounds were bred by sentinel programming to find and locate mutants. Hounds were in the gifted. Yep. Yeah. I just think it's crazy that they are taking these things that humans did to mutants and doing, and them, doing themselves. them themselves. Yeah. When you said that that was approved by like mutant higher ups. Well, and so that's actually an interesting point here the remaining mutant leadership endorsed slash approved. And there's a footnote that these are referred to the lost years of mutant leadership following the almost universal death or disappearance of senior leaders and preceding the fall of Krakoa in Mars. Many believed rampant rumors that the lost years were not accidental, but purposeful. Whoa. And that second page starts talking about chimeras and chimeras give us a little insight into who Rasputin and Cardinal are. Or how they are. And so they were created as part of this mutant breeding program? Yep. So the first generation of sinister mutants they talk about where singular DNA sources, a pure uncompromised X gene, often referred to as fodder inside the breeding pit. So they were just clones of one mutant. Mm. And then the second generation and third generation were referred to as the chimera class. The second merging two separate X genes, resulting in a mutant with mostly predictable power combination of the source mutants. And then the third generation had up to five mutant X genes. That's nuts. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting because they say this as we're going, the first part of it made me think, okay, mutants are just not being born as much so we need to make sure we get more mutants in the world we need to build soldiers to fight this war that's coming right but then the fact that they're combining powers there were so i'm so interested in who's behind this exactly like who are the remaining mutant leaders because if you're going to combine powers you're basically building weapons and If your whole, you know, if Charles's dream is that mutants and humans can live together and you have this idea that mutants are just people and they're just born different, that you're not necessarily going to harm people because you have powers, but then you go and you make mutant weapons, then... Are you really on that same page? So who's behind this? And also, do those mutants ever experience regular life? Or are they specifically used as weapons? And then you're doing exactly the same thing that you're so upset about, like hounds, okay? Mm -hmm. Hounds are created to hunt down other mutants. 
your entire existence is based on hunting down other mutants. You don't have a choice in what your life is. So now they're doing this. It's so interesting to me. They're breeding people for soldiers. And so they talk about in the first generation, they're trained in the Martian underground until they reach age 16, at which time they travel to Krakoa to defend the mutant nation state until it fell 30 years later. So they're, they're breeding them at least it's saying they're breeding them as defense. There's been the humans are coming towards them. They're coming, they're attacking them. The man machine war is on the approach and they're breeding these Omega level mutant. There's no difference between them and sentinels in my mind. A sentinel's purpose is to hunt mutants, to hunt mutants. What these mutants are to kill sentinels. But yeah, but sentinels are robots created by humans. Right, so these mutants are built to protect the nation of Krakoa from these machines, these thoughtless, heartless machines that are coming to kill them. I mean, I understand why they're doing it. I'm just coming at it from a moral perspective of what are you doing? What are you doing? Fighting for survival. Not fine. <laughs> and then they talk about the fourth generation where there was a systemic failure and they were all born with a hive mind or a good percentage of them were born with a corrupted hive mind. And that was only discovered after they had destroyed 40% of the remaining mutant population and caused the fall of Krakoa itself. And that's the, that's the thing that they were talking about, about the betrayal. So, okay. So the time line or the point in time where we're at right now, where we're getting this information is the 100 years? Yes. So we're year looking, 100. We're looking reflectively at what happened to Krakoa and where these chimera mutants came from. So theoretically, this is happening after issue 1 of House of X, yeah. like long after. Long after, 90 years. 90 after. years after. Okay. And then they talk they have these little this little breakdown of these little things that look like pH strips. Yeah. From like science class. And it has the breakdown of where the powers of Rasputin come from. And you have some pretty big names in mutant history with Quentin Quire, Rasputin, who I believe is referring to Piotr Rasputin Colossus, and that's why she can Who's Quentin Pryor? Quentin Quire is oh. a Omega level telepath. He was actually at the back of he wasn't seen in House of X number one, but he was on the list of Omega levels. And they even say level ten. And that, I'm mm-hmm. assuming, is Omega level. Okay. And then Rasputin, who is Colossus. Mm-hmm. And then Bane? Gunther Bane is Eunice the Untouchable. He has a protective force field. And you actually see Rasputin use that power a couple pages earlier against oh. the, or in defense from the Sentinel attack. And okay. then Pride. Oh, Kitty Pride. Yep. And Kinney, who is Laura Kinney. Do you know who that is? No. X-23. Oh. So. Dang. Yeah. Imagine having that combo, that power set combo. I mean, that's freaking amazing. And you can assume, and at least I know that Kitty Pride had the ability to wield the soul sword as well mm. from her connection to Ilana. They were best friends growing up. Crazy. That's so, so many powers. Yeah. And this talks a little bit more about the outliers, the things that 
happened unpredictably outside of what they were trying to achieve with these different generations and how in generation four, there was a 62% rate of outliers. That's a big percent. Yeah. So basically 62% of the mutants they thought they were creating came out differently than they intended. Came out with that hive mind that then turned and started killing the mutant population. Oh my God. And this in the betrayal section, the fall of Krakoa and destruction of the Martian breeding pits was directly preceded by the betrayal of mutants by Mr. Sinister. They probably shouldn't have trusted Mr. Sinister from the beginning. I mean, That's his just name who he is. is Mr. <laughs> Sinister. Do you ever think he's going to do something good? Yeah. That, and that's really what the quote's saying. The nature of that man, sinister, reaches far beyond any hope of redemption. There can be no salvation for the devil himself. I mean, let's just say for a second, based on what I said before about you're doing the things that you didn't want people to do, like that's what you get for creating monster mutants. Yeah, They're going to turn on you. You trusted Mr. Sinister. And also these mutants are the top mutants right and so what makes you think that especially if they have a hive mind what makes you think that they're going to be okay taking orders from someone else mm -hmm. they're gonna be like mm, we're in charge now mm -hmm. i have so many thoughts on this i feel like i could go forever but i'll just say one other thing which is that also being raised to only be a soldier right you just rebel that's every storyline ever <laughs> It just happens. So well, you have you, no life. Like you right. Have you have no life. You have no freedom of choice. So you want to make your own choice. Plus you're like more badass than everyone else. You got five you, different mutant I got powers. five powers up in here. You got one and I can communicate with all my little tube brothers and sisters inside our little hive mind. Well, um, also like Rasputin was not, not, not one, one of those. these outliers. Right. Right. But I'm just saying in general. Right. There are other people. Rasputin, I am assuming, is level, generation three because she has those five different powers combined mm -hmm. with. And so she is a success of generation three. But then what happened in generation four was this betrayal from or the reveal of this betrayal from Mr. Sinister, this long game plan that he had been working on. Mr. Sinister. Exactly. Hey, there's the tower. The tower. From that. the tarot cards before. From before. And we have Nimrod and Omega. I can't. I can't. Why is his name Nimrod? Because that's just his name. Nimrod is a future sentinel that can... He's just really bad news. Nimrod is like a name. Nimrod is like calling someone dumb. Yeah, but he's not dumb. He's super powered. Lord. All right. And he refers to Omega, who... Karima was the Omega Sentinel. And this kind of looks like Karima with the arms. Yeah. Slightly okay. different colorization, though. Mm-hmm. Great Nimrod. Again, wait, hold on. Uh. Omega is the name of the Omega Sentinel. So, they're, again, they were just like, all right, you know what? You have this thing called Omega Mutant, so we'll make an Omega Sentinel. You have this guy called Forge, so we'll make the Forge <laughs> Get your own ideas. Or Come on, this. humans. Come on, <laughs> man machine. All right. Sorry. Here we go. What's happening here? These two are bringing. Silabel. Yes. To Nimrod. Please, there's no need for formalities. We are allies, equals of a kind, and you are welcome. Always welcome. 
she mentions that at least four mutants were detected infiltrating the Nexus, and we're not sure what they were after or what they got. Do we know what the Nexus is? We don't yet. Okay. But it's a... We'll find out. And we're still in year 100. Yes. This is the longest we've been in one year yet. Yes. Okay. And now it's revealed that Silabel was bred as a hound, a black-brained telepath hound. Oh, snap. A black-brained telepath means that they can't be read by traditional means. You took my brain so you could read me alive and you can't read me alive. Yes. <laughs> and Nimrod is here just apologizing. I'm so sorry for what we did to you. In fact, I'm embarrassed and ashamed at what we did in the name of both expediency and annihilation. How very Magneto of you. Yeah, he's, he's apologizing for having bred Silabel and her kind not only to be a slave but to betray your own people. Sorry, but this bottom. <laughs> he's so <laughs> this bottom panel with his hands together. He's just like, oh, it's yay. Well, did you and check out what they're saying back and forth? That's the spirit. I if it takes it. a thousand years, I swear we will endure and erase you from existence. Oh, that's the spirit. I love it. Oh, <laughs> that's such a good bad guy response. Ba- yeah, and it's a testament to the art because you really get this yeah, feeling of you the can change feel of the emotion. his his demeanor where he's like yay okay you get it now mm-hmm. it's awesome yeah and then they're talking about her confessing but we have ways of making you confess so if we can't read your mind we'll get it out of you yeah they're gonna give her a bath oh geez i don't want to know what that's like <laughs> let's take a bath no thank you Oh, that's not a bath. Omega is talking about how that might damage it, but Nimrod's just like, please, let me. Fine, have it your way. Look at look at him. He's so happy. He's so happy to be evil. Adorable. And this giant tube contraption is coming out of the ground. Bad news is about to happen to Silabel. I'm so, so sorry for what I'm about to do to you. And no, he just, you're not. Exactly. <laughs> he just says it like, uh. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Yeah. You see, I built something, a repository of sorts, a monument to understanding the mutant anomaly. This machine distills information and knowledge of mutants into an AI. So this is basically what that guy that died was trying to prevent. So his mind was wiping so that the Sentinels couldn't capture him and then use his information into this collected AI. Similar to how what I know in the movies is like that technology that when they're fighting a mutant, they can take on their power. So this in is the like Days of Future Past movie. Right. So this is them saying, we've gathered all of your information and now we can put it in our collective intelligence. Our... <laughs> yeah. Danger, danger. I'm not afraid to die. It's a good thing you're willing to die for a cause, though causes have long seemed to be fatal for you people. She's put into this tube stasis and seems to be getting scanned. And this tells us a little bit more about the kennel, uh, about mutants that were bred in captivity by man-machine to produce hounds, which are mutants bred to hunt other mutants. We talked about this a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Modified hounds with unreadable black brains and conditioned for insurgence and duplicity, like Silabel. So what they were talking about, about not being able to be read and bred to turn on 
mutants themselves. All right. Like, to so turn on people. If Silabel is created, it, she's a hound. Yes, she was created by the humans. So the she's mutants. created by the humans, yet she's working with the mutants. So they bred in her duplicity and that desire to betray. And so when she found humanity with this group of mutants, what she was kind of talking about before, you gave me a name. The, the, the things that I had done before you gave me that, before you gave me humanity, before you gave me a life that I didn't know. So she ended up betraying the human machine well, society I, that created her. Yeah, and that sort of disproves what I was saying before about them not really giving the mutants that they create any sort of real life experience because if she's saying I used to be a hound basically and it was terrible I had no life I had no humanity and then I found you and now I have that yeah so then she started working with them and okay but why would you create something which you instill it the need or the desire to betray to join this other team in hopes of getting information about this other team but then make it so that you cannot read its mind yeah that seems a little bit silly yeah well it's for the benefit of the fact that the mutants couldn't read her mind that they yeah. wouldn't know that she okay. was in there to betray them. Gotcha. But so then Charles it ended up... is like, no idea that you're actually evil. Yeah. But also... Charles and other telepaths at, at that time, but yeah. Also, now we don't know what we want to know. <laughs> so, whoopsie. Okay. And okay. we've got... We're upside down. Yeah, Cardinal and Rasputin, the no place hub. And we know what a hub is. And mm -hmm. we've been told what a no place is. A no place is a part of Krakoa that can't be detected by Krakoa. Oh. That was the third of the mm -hmm. drugs for mutants. Cardinal's apologizing for not being able to do anything. He was bred not capable of violence. If I could trade places with her, I would. You guys can't see my face, but I'm scrunching it up. Bred not capable of violence. And so that was in the description of the generations of chimeras was that some of those chimeras started to develop passive traits, peacetime traits, gotcha. and they were labeled cardinal. Got it. Okay. They come through this gate. They're on Krakoa. Or at least that's what that says. And it says there were only two in transit. What happened? Percival's dead. Silabel probably is too. Reveal. Ooh. <gasps> oh, Magneto. Look at your beautiful costume. It looks green. We got someone that looks like Magneto, someone that looks like Wolverine, someone that looks like a giant tree, and someone that kind of looks like Zorn, who you don't know. No, I don't know. Question is, did they die for nothing or was it worth it? We got it. All right. Follow me. The old man's waiting. We don't know who the old man is, but... Who's the old man? This mysterious group of four mutants to greet them. Who's Deanna? <laughs> Surviving mutants. Dun, dun, dun. Tell me more. And so this is talking about two main colonies of the surviving mutants in Shi'ar space. The first on Benevolence, a converted transit station located on the fringe of Shi'ar space. And then the second located on the Shi'ar throne world of Chandelar. 
What the heck is Shi'ar? <laughs> Did I miss something? Well, uh, you just don't know what Shi'ar is. Shi'ar is a race of bird aliens. Oh, all right. Oh, wait. They're Lalandra. in a cartoon. Yeah. Yes. Lalandra, who Charles falls in love with, working with the mutants to live here and by treaty with the Empire, be warrior stock for the Imperial Guard. All right, so let me see if I have this correct. The mutants that are surviving... Less than 10,000. This is after Krakoa has been destroyed? Yes. And so the Shi'ar people or beings are housing them or providing them asylum in these two different places? Mm-hmm. Okay. 8,000 of them on the Benevolence and about 2,000 of them on Chandelar. And then on that second database page, they have the exact numbers. So it's in Shi'ar space, in Shi'ar homeworld, and then eight of them on asteroid K in the solar system. Just eight? Eight of them. Must be a very important eight. And we've seen six of them. Just now? One, two, three, four, five, six. Boom. (laughs) There used to be ten. Bummer. And now we're going to the next power of 10. <laughs> you thought you were going to find something out and you didn't. No, more questions. <laughs> okay. And who does that look like? Wait. Decaying in the tube. Oh. Silabelle. Yeah. Decaying in a tube. Okay, so this is year 1000. 900 years later, she's still decaying in a tube. Yeah. Rough. Yeah. That's rough. And then this blue person. Who's referred to only as librarian. They were on the front page. Is that Cerebro? It looks like it could be or some variation of Cerebro. And it looks like it's connected to the mainframe of data. Of all the information of all mutants for the last 900 years. Right. And this little floating thing is actually the future of Nimrod. This is what's left of Nimrod 900 years later. (laughs) Crazy. I wasn't built to maintain integrity for a millennium. I'm just trying to preserve this AI intelligence of the collected mutant brains. You created a collective consciousness of mutantdom, a living database of homo superior in order to provide a tactical advantage in a war. You did exactly what you were made to do. Whoa. So... This war is still going on, theoretically. Uh, I I think the war has been won by the human machine supremacy. Yeah. No. There's the tower again. It's so good to be done with all of that. Can we ever really be done with it? After all, that's what a legacy is. And then they show the preserve. And it's why we keep dinosaur bones around. Yeah. And in the preserve on that next and, and final art page of the issue, we zoom in and we see it's important to keep a record of the great sins of history, even better to preserve a remnant, something to point at and hope to God they never have dominion again. And so I, I assume that these that we're looking at, these two people are mutants. It's like the Adam and Eve of mutants. Yeah. In a preserved <laughs> captivity. Weird. So they wanted to get rid of mutants, but they also wanted to just keep a couple around just in case they needed them. Just to see it. Just to see. Just to see. You've forgotten that machines have no soul and that humans lost theirs a long time ago. Likely when they 
teamed up with the machines yeah, uh, to that, take down the mutants. That makes sense. Dang. Thoughts? Whoa. I mean, I can't. So much. There's so much information, but also it's starting to kind of make sense together. Especially if we talk about it. I feel like this was difficult for me to grab a hold of when I first read it, just because there was so much happening at so many different points in time. So much happening. And you know how I feel about time travel. So I'm glad that this doesn't seem like time travel right? where we're just erasing things and restarting. Right. That drives me bonkers. It does. I really don't like it. But anyway. This issue gave me a headache, I think, when I first read it. I, There's so much. Yeah. I found myself pausing, like long pauses to just try to like. Think it through. Just try to. Da, 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 in my brain. What just happened? What just happened? My favorite part of it was the chimeras. I feel like that's just a crazy interesting concept to introduce this it idea is very cool of blending different mutants together and to create super mutants it gives me so many feelings so many feelings <laughs> <laughs> okay in the very beginning so the issue goes from year one year one then year 10 then 100 then 1000 hey i get the math hours <laughs> <laughs> of 10 hey Y'all, you thought you were here for a comic. It's a math lesson. Oh my God, my mind is so blown. Math. I it, Amazing. Okay. No wonder I love this. <laughs> I know, right? Math. He math loves math. And X-Men. Together. Okay. So there's a there's a progression and what's seemingly in House of X is a win for mutants to be in Krakoa and you get this vibe of we did it we're on top now right. and then you get this issue which shows you the shows future. you the future and is saying nope nah you didn't get it <laughs> sorry it's just so i'm so interested so this leads me to believe that the next few issues or maybe the run of this is going to explore all the in-between of how we get, or at least that's what I'm hoping for. That's what I want. I want answers. I don't want to just be <laughs> in year 1,000 and say, like, sorry, you don't get to know what happened. Yeah. Each each of the, and I know this because I've read it, each of the powers of 10 issues cuts between those four different points. Okay. So you get so, more information from each of those points, year 10 being the House of X. Okay. And then House of X stays in year 10. Yes. Okay. And that's why this ending page that has the reading order for this sequence of 12 issues, two series that are one. So they're kind of telling two different lenses, two different perspectives of the story of the House of X. Crazy. And what's also interesting, year 10 is House of X. That's also kind of right Power, uh, house of 10 don't do that don't even <laughs> i can't <laughs> i'm getting a handle and you're you're just ripping it away from me any thoughts any questions before we close this out oh man so many thoughts i have so many thoughts but questions i still want to know who the surviving leaders are who's who's the old man who's the old man and I'm intrigued by the fact that 
even though your goal is to not give spoilers the way you said who looks like Magneto, who looks like Wolverine, <laughs> was like, excuse me, what? So yeah. interested in that. Yeah, I just want to, I want to know, you know, what happens in the 900 years that we skip. That's a long time to skip. What do you think about Nimrod? Nimrod is entertaining. He's the... He's adorable. He's the action figure I was talking about. Oh. So he's coming out in a three-pack of Marvel Legends. He's the big one that comes with the classic head that connects to his initial appearance. He was a creation Is of, he his own figure or is he the build-a-figure? He's as part of a three-pack. So he's oh, three-pack. Build-a-figure size, but he comes with the alternate heads. So one from this storyline and one from when he was first introduced back in the 80s, Chris Claremont. Does he come with a little little version of him in the year 1000? So. I don't think so. I don't think he comes with Nimrod the lesser or Nimrod the greater. I don't think he comes with the little More flying math. one. Less yeah. than Nimrod, less than greater two. Less than Nimrod. Oh, I can't keep track. How do you feel? What are your thoughts? On I, this issue. This issue was really confusing for me, and I read it a couple times just to try and get my mind around all of the information that it was putting out there. And I feel like even going through it now, I still have some questions, and I still want to know things. Yeah, there's so much I want to know. But I guess that's why you keep reading and telling me about them. Yeah. Our next issue is House of X number two, and if you look at the reading order... It's in red, and I don't know what that means. I mean, I knew I know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know what that means, but I'm gonna say I don't know what that means. It's in red. And some we've seen other things in red. The in House of X number one, Soul's Hammer, what which then becomes the Forge, was in red on that list. Mm-hmm. It seems to denote importance. It's a clue to pay attention. All right. Well. Until next time, old friend. Charles! Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. 